God is a person, not a concept to be studied from a distance. And so I think that helps us as we wrestle over over things that people are wrestling with to remember that he's a person to be known, not an idea to be wrestled into like a four-point outline. You are listening to the Christian Music Archive podcast, part of the new release today podcast network. I'm your host, Dave Maurer. Each week, I share stories about Christ, community, and music, chatting with musical guests who you will find listed on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. There are thousands of creative men and women who have helped shape the soundtrack of the Christian faith, and we get to hear their stories, learn about how Christ has made a difference in their life, and hopefully along the way, we'll learn how we can be a better part of our community. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast this week. I'm really glad that you're joining me for this exchange today. I hope you don't mind that each week I try to share a little bit about what is going on in my life. And as you may remember from previous episodes, my dad is currently battling dementia and is living in a memory care unit in a really great facility. He's been on hospice for a while now, and we have regular care conferences with the staff as they provide updates on his health and mental status. As Dad's mental status has faded, one of the best ways we've found to communicate with Dad is through music. Many times, when he's agitated or not being a very patient patient with various parts of his care, the staff will sing a hymn, and that usually calms him down and helps him be less anxious. As we were chatting this week, the lead caregiver said something that really struck me. She said, as mental faculties are failing, the last part of the brain to fail is the part that recognizes music. So it was no surprise to her that singing Amazing Grace to my dad, a former pastor and missionary, brought comfort to him and helped calm him. This brings me to my conversation today with Caroline Cobb. One of the things she talked about was the role that music and art play in our relationship with God. She talked about how music got some of the knowledge about God and takes it from our head and moves it to our heart and to the core of our being. As a music lover, I really appreciate that. And it's good to know that music is part of how my dad is still connecting with the peace of God in his life, even though the rest of his memory is failing so quickly. Anyway, that was a long way to introduce my conversation with Caroline Cobb today. Caroline has a brand new album out this month, and we're going to talk a little bit about that new project, as well as a big project she did a few years ago to write a song for every book in the Bible. So stick around. We're going to talk to Caroline in just about 60 seconds. I'm excited to tell you about Shalom Africa, another ministry of Mercy, Inc. Shalom Africa is a holistic outreach to individuals in Kenya, Togo, the Dominican Republic of Congo, and Uganda. These countries are part of the tension belt in Africa. That's kind of a line between the predominantly Christian countries in the South and the predominantly Muslim countries in the North. Shalom Africa teaches reading, writing, and basic math skills, as well as provides mentorship through agricultural and micro-enterprise businesses. By teaching these basic skills, they also have the opportunity to share about Christ through evangelism and discipleship. And ultimately, the goal of Shalom Africa is to introduce people to a personal relationship with Jesus. To learn more about these practical methods of discipleship, head on over to christianmusicarchive.com mercy. 
and thanks for being the hands and feet of Jesus to those living in the tension belt. Well, I'm honored to be joined by Caroline Cobb on the podcast today. Caroline has a brand new album coming out in October called A King and His Kindness, and I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Yes. But something else that intrigues me is a challenge that Caroline took in 2011 to write a song for every book in the Bible. That's 66 songs. Right. So let's find out more about that challenge and get to know a little bit more about the new album. Welcome to the podcast, Caroline Cobb. Thank you so much for having me, Dave. So a song for every book in the Bible, that's uh, that's a challenge. Yeah, that's right. I was actually, um, <laughs> my birthday is November 11th, and on in 2011, 11, 11, 11, I was turning okay. 30, and I had always written, you know, from scripture some, you know, I and had been doing the songwriting thing for a long time, but there was a sense of wanting to make a goal. And so mm. somehow it popped in my mind that I loved God's word. I love writing songs. I've written one or two songs directly from a passage of scripture. What if I made this goal to write a song for every book of the Bible in a year? And I kind of announced it on social media to some friends and things like that. And all of a sudden I was, I was doing it, but I loved it. Every, every week I was, um, you know, diving into a different story and able to, think through imaginatively, you know, how to communicate that using all these uh, tools in a songwriter's belt. So not only yeah. like doing the ex- exposition thing, like who, what, when, where, why, but also um, playing with perspective or um, imagining what it would feel like to be in e- Eve's shoes, for uh, example. Yeah. Um, and so some of the songs were really, really tough to write. For example, Leviticus. Or I was just um, going to ask, how do you write Leviticus songs? I, there's a song somewhere online, somewhere uh, about Leviticus. But yeah, that one probably won't uh, be recorded anytime soon. It also gave me the opportunity to write a lot of songs that were just okay, you know. Mm, yeah. um, but then by the end, I saw, wow, I love doing this. I love using music to tell these stories. I love helping people see how the whole of scripture is connected. Yeah. And I really love writing from places like Nahum or something like that, where, you know, maybe people aren't real aware of what that's about. Yeah. So it was a huge, and I wasn't either. And so it was a huge uh, challenge for me, but it was a great year. And that really has kicked off kind of what my whole uh, vocational ministry has been about. So, so the question is, did you get all 66 books done? I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> and did it take you the full year or were you, were you faster? <laughs> it took the whole year. <laughs> I had a spreadsheet going and everything. And, you know, those a songs. after my heart. Spreadsheets. I love them. I yeah. know. The, those songs uh, turned into some albums. And so it's, it's really kick-started something much bigger than that. But it was a great year. So that was 2011, but according mm-hmm. to my calculations, you've been releasing music since about 2005, right? Yeah, so I'd say those first couple of albums were more um, like me trying on different voices. And mm-hmm. uh, one was a college graduation thesis. Um, another was I had a bunch of songs that I needed to get them out. And then when I started writing from scripture in 2000. 13, I released my first album that really told the story. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's where my career as a songwriter, I guess, as a singer-songwriter really went from hobby sort of thing I did on the side, really expensive music scrapbooking <laughs> to to like, no, these are songs that I 
I see the cohesiveness of what I'm doing. And really 2013 is when I mark uh, what I do now, which is really just trying to tell this story. So Sure. So you're obviously weaving together your music and your faith. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about that journey. How did you, A, come to faith? And how did you decide to bring the interest and passion in music along with that? Yeah, it's, my story is a little bit winding, but I, oh. I grew up in Houston, Texas. And by, I think, Providence, I ended up at a uh, Christian school um, where it was connected to a church. And through that church is really where I heard the gospel and where I um, started walking with the Lord. Like a lot of folks, I don't know that I have like the exact day, but I do remember when I was a junior in high school, um, sort of this shift from God as just one thing that I did to, no, I want to follow him and start, started to spend time with him every day in prayer and reading scripture. And I feel like that's when I saw a lot of life change. Mm. Um, there's a story there too, uh, but I, I had uh, really just tried to fit in in all kinds of places before that. So if I was around Christian friends, I would sort of do that. And then if I was around other people, I would, I would do that. And I didn't have a sense of, you know, really wanting to follow the Lord or him or really saying, yes, God, thank you for what mm-hmm. you've done. Now this is going to mm-hmm. totally change my life. Um, so my response to his gift was, thanks, I'm going to go try some other things. And then eventually uh, things shifted for me. And so in college, I really um, grew a lot. And I had learned how to play guitar in high school and had started writing songs right around the same time that I really started following the Lord. So a lot of my songs were about him or about my faith. Um, but I really just played them for you know my, my parents or my roommates. Sure. Yeah. Um, and then in college, I grew to really love God's word. And then I think just in the past uh, few years, I think my testimony would be summed up in the phrase, learning to savor the gospel and really mm. realizing how good the gospel really is. Um, because I think I had, I've had some pressure cooker things like motherhood, young kids at home. Um, we also have moved around a lot. And all of those things brought a lot of sin to the surface that I didn't mm. realize was there. And in that pressure cooker, I realized, wow, we don't get, we don't graduate from the gospel. I see that I need to yeah. be saved. Even though I'm a Christian, I see again and again how good the gospel is. And, you know, we, I maybe made a decision to follow him in high school, but I think over and over, I see, wow, thank you for reaching in and grabbing yeah. my heart. And now I'm going to cling to you harder and harder and harder as I see you know, the goodness of, of the good news that he came to die for us. So. Well, one of the things that I've been very aware of the past probably four or five years is the number of people who are going through trying to determine how do I make Christ my own? How do I make my relationship with Jesus my own? And some people, I've got some family that are in this boat too, who are saying, well, then I, I don't think Jesus really fits my idea of what a relationship is something that I want to be part of. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about a lot of, you know, things that caused you to reevaluate. What was it that really kept drawing you back to the Bible and to that relationship with Jesus mm-hmm. when so many other people um, today are going, yeah, let's look at something else. 
Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I had a, a, a season of doubt in college where I intellectually really thought I should probably walk away. <laughs> um, I was in, I went to a public school, large uh, University of Texas, and I was in okay. this program and I went, was in a philosophy class. And he was talking about the problem of evil and, you know, all of those things. And uh, I think that um, in that season, what kind of brought me out of that was realizing not that, oh, if I just say this and this and this and have uh, this apologetic or whatever it is, and I, I, let me just figure out the answer and Mm -hmm. then I can solve the problem of evil. It was instead, um, I read a book called Knowledge with a Holy by A.W. Tozer. Mm -hmm. And in it, he just beautifully, very artistically describes the character of God. And I just remember crying under a table saying, God, I'm a creature and you are creator. I don't intellectually understand how to put all of this together, but I, I see that you are so much higher than me. And I think that that sort of realizing that um, it's not about me trying to figure it all out or trying to fit Jesus into what I think he should be, but rather posturing myself as someone smaller and Mm. someone who is, uh, leaning in, of course, engaging intellectually and, and wanting to know answers as much as we can. But there's a ceiling where we have to trust the Lord. And I couldn't walk away, um, mm-hmm. even though I w- kind of felt like, well, maybe I should. Like, I just right. knew from my relationship with him that he was real. And then coupled with this idea of if I try to shove him into my creaturely understanding of what it means uh, to be a god then, Mm. then that's not going to work. And so just instead of figuring out the answers, I feel like what drew me back to him and back to his word is just worship and continuing to worship and continuing to see that he's faithful in so many different areas of my life and just a big vision of him. So it almost sounds to me like you're saying, I'm going to stop trying to put God into my box, this little Mm -hmm. definition of who I have. And you talk about worship as maybe just being willing to experience the bigger grandeur of who God really is Mm -hmm. when that's outside of that box. Right, exactly. And then even with this new album that I know we're going to talk about, but I think it's so easy for us to look at God as like a concept or something to be studied or understood. And I think that I've... um, with this album in particular, like I really wanted to zoom in on the humanity of Jesus. I mean, Mm, mm -hmm. in, in Christianity, like he was a person and God is a person, not a concept to be studied from a distance. And so I think that too um, helps us as we wrestle over, over things that people are wrestling with these days to remember that he's a person to be known, not to, not a idea to be wrestled into like a, you know, four point outline or something. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's good. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're they're persons, not uh, concepts. Well, and you said something in your bio on your website that I've been been really appreciating up to, even before I read it, is Mm -hmm. the fact that that God is like a multifaceted diamond. And Mm -hmm. the more you look, you capture different facets. Right. And your experience sheds life on different situations. And all of a sudden you see, oh, here's another way that God is good or that God is real or that God is for me. Yeah. And I I love that thought. 
with music, like that's what I keep doing with every album. You know, there's different themes in scripture mm-hmm. that you can trace really from the beginning to the end. Um, and so I love like, yeah, that's the analogy I keep using is like, I just can keep on turning the diamond and see God from all these different uh, motifs and angles in scripture and just, it gets better and better. We can, yeah. you know, as it says in the Chronicles of Narnia, you just keep going further up and further in. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, you don't really get to the end. Um, yeah. Right now, so. Well, and you've been pretty outspoken about the importance of art in your walk, in your faith walk. Mm-hmm. And and how does how does music, how does the arts, how does that add to that discovery of the facets of God? Mm-hmm. I think music, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I really feel <laughs> that music gets some of the knowledge about God from kind of our head into our gut. And Mm. obviously we can't um, enhance God's word. We can't replace the preaching of the word, but I think we can come alongside um, the preaching of the word or the, the prose that we get in scripture. And as people are, you know, taking that with them, this is music or art is a different way to engage with what God has already said. And so it, it, I think Jonathan Edwards maybe said something about how, you know, why do we sing instead of just say, instead of Mm -hmm. just saying prose. And he says, there's something about music that arouses our affections and I think that that's true um, for more than just music like whether it's art or poetry or dance there's something very um, gut level about art that brings some of these things from you know out here into our very being and it's kind of the it's really where the emotion is right Mm -hmm. you can read a page and there's black and white context there but when you actually put it to some kind of art, because art has to come from deep within. Right. It creates that emotion. I love that thought. I love that yeah. thought. Well, let's talk a little bit about the emotion behind your mm-hmm. new project. It's called A King and His Kindness, and it releases next month, going out through Integrity Music, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, That's cool. Right. So let's, let's just talk a little bit about the process of honing these songs to describe, as you said earlier, looking at Jesus uh, through mm-hmm. these these songs. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, the way I've been kind of describing it is the past three full-length projects that I've done have been storytelling projects where they drop in on, you know, different moments in scripture, but they're really more panoramic and they're telling like this whole story. Mm. And lately I feel like I've been feeling this pull to kind of get really up close. And that's what I was feeling a few years ago. I had written a lot of songs about Jesus, but felt like I really wanted to zoom in and get up close with him because, you know, he's the one that the whole story hinges on. Um, And just wanted to see kind of his humanity, how he interacted with people. I think there's, there's a few songs on the album too, about his authority and his power and his glory. Um, So sometimes I think, like I really haven't heard a lot of worship songs about Jesus turning the tables over or, you know, uh, <laughs> right. yeah. transfiguration or something like that. So these are more storytelling songs, although there's a few uh, congregational songs mixed in, but they really are grappling with Jesus as a person and how he's interacting with people. Um, 
and and really trying to get that human up close and personal kind of yeah emotion to it uh, because I think you know we might hear a song about Jesus or sing about him but it's about the work and it's about kind of out here but mm-hmm. I, I love how he has interacted with us um, and how compassionate he was and how he did turn over tables in the temple and all of yeah. those things. So it, it's a, it was a really fun project. I actually recorded at the same time as my last album. And mm. we did all of the songs live uh, in a studio. And we did 16 songs in like four days. So wow. <laughs> it's one of those things where the, even the recording process itself was very raw and very authentic, mm. very up close. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully that comes through. Well, I've had the chance to hear three of the songs um, and Turn the Tables was one of them that I wanted to talk about. Because like you said, that's not something that you hear, you know, people writing songs about how God turned the tables and what the purpose of that, because that's ultimately the reason he did it, is he had a purpose for it. Mm -hmm. So talk a little bit about how how you decided to take this story of kind of a different side of Jesus that we don't normally talk about and bring that to music. Yeah, I think my process whenever I'm writing an album and I kind of have an idea in mind is uh, sometimes I'll have a bunch of songs and I'm like, I think I'm missing a song because we need to talk about this too. And I was, Mm. I kind of had that feeling with, um, I had written a lot of songs about Jesus and his compassionate interactions. I was like, what about when he turned the tables? And so I think I was on the way to Memphis for a show and I listened to a sermon it was an old sermon by A.W. Tozer. Again, um, I was just lo- looking for any sermon by a trusted uh, pastor that I knew of. So I was listening to this sermon, and uh, he really talked about how these religious leaders were keeping kind of the Gentiles and the world out of the temple by overcrowding it with buying and selling. Mm-hmm. And I think as he talked, and this was from you know the 50s or 40s or 60s, I don't even know when, I was thinking, gosh, I feel like in a way, like the Christian culture right now struggles with that as well, you know, with this idea of celebrity culture and commodifying um, things. And it's a very delicate topic, but I think I wanted to kind of go there and show how Jesus wanted to um, remind his people that this is a house of prayer for the Mm -hmm. nations. Um, it's not a marketplace. And so yeah. how do we push against that tendency so that uh, our witness is not tainted? And I write it as a challenge for me as someone who's, or anyone like me, who's writing songs from scripture and putting things out there, but not wanting to commodify my faith, you know, but yet yeah. also needing to um make a living and yeah, to exactly. be able to sustain the ministry and keep doing it. And so that's that's what I was thinking through as I wrote uh, wrote that. I just wanted to show a sort of a balance. You exploit the ones who would worship Use devotion to make a dime Sell the sacred to turn a profit Make the holy into merchandise When all the world tries to get in the building
process of writing that song was me trying to balance out this image of Jesus and make sure I went to that scene that's really hard yeah. to understand and kind of is like, hmm, how does that jive with everything else that I've been writing about? And that's a big conversation. I've been very aware of it the last well, probably six, eight months is, you know, the industry side of things right. and the ministry side of things. The reality of it is church has to operate as a business. Otherwise, we can't keep the doors open. Right. You know, so where's that where's that balance? And then you take that a step further and we talk about how do we as believers make the church palatable or interesting to people outside the church, mm -hmm. big C, little C, whatever, you know, not denomination or whatever. But how do we make our our lives representative of Jesus Christ so that people want to come in and to do that? A lot of times takes money and takes mm -hmm. energy, and so, yeah, that's a tough that's a tough conversation in a lot of people. I think, especially right now with like the pandemic and stuff, where churches some are you know just online or right. you know back in Oregon we're shutting down again. How do you balance that? That's a tough tough thing to deal yeah, with. Yeah, such a tough d thing to deal with, and I think people are quick to jump to conclusions. Well, maybe this means we can't sell coffee in the foyer or some things silly <laughs> right. like that, or we can't sell books in our bookstore. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that, or ministers shouldn't be paid. And I definitely don't think that, but I think it's a good question to ask ourselves. At least we need to be asking ourselves and say, are we more like these people in the, these uh, religious, pe these people selling um, goods than we care to admit. And in, if so, God, would you turn tables over? Would you, would you come and cleanse your house? And so it's more, it can also just be a prayer. You know, we, yeah. need, we need to at least ask the question and then ask the Lord to, to do whatever he needs to do for his glory. So. And doesn't it ultimately come down to the heart of why we're doing what we're doing? Totally. You know, if I'm yes. selling books in the in the lobby so that I can, you know, buy a better widget or what's it, you know, that's one thing. But if I'm selling it as a way to further the ministry God's called us to do, and if our if our hearts are genuinely saying, Lord, how can I how can I reach people mm -hmm. 
Well, um, we talked obviously about turning the tables. Is there another song on the project? Like, what's the next? What's the first single going to be that's going to be put out? What song should we play on the podcast? And yeah. let's talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, I'm really excited about all these songs. There's one called "Who Is This Jesus" that um, we made a video for. That um, is kind of a focus track for the album, and really it it captures what the whole album is about and it's told from the perspective of John the Apostle uh, just to kind of get in someone's shoes that was right there with Jesus I saw his face shine like the sun on the mountainside Elijah and Moses were there pale in his glorious light voice came like thunder and I trembled all over said this my beloved child who is this Jesus but the son of God I saw him walk on the waves I saw him still I saw the demons afraid, but the children safe in his arms. He said, Lazarus, rise up, wake from your sleep, and his dead heart started to beat. Who is this Jesus but the Son of God? that same question in the chorus or who is this Jesus but the son of God and then by the end 
it asks that question a few times, who is this Jesus? And it kind of repeats to the point where in my heart, in my mind, I hope the listeners like maybe gives them a chance to ask that same question. Um, And uh, there's a few other songs on the album too that kind of ask similar, have similar kind of questions to it. And I think Spurgeon said, if Christ is anything, he must be everything. So if you believe that Jesus is the son of God, you can't really stop there. You, yeah, <laughs> you can't yeah. remain indifferent. You you have to go all the way or don't go at all. Um, yeah. So I think that's that's a big question of the album. And I think that that song really gets at that question. Well, I'm sure looking forward to hearing this album. It's, Thank uh, it's, you. It's a lot of good... I think at this day and age, especially, we just need to reintroduce ourselves, maybe even mm-hmm. to who is Jesus and what does he, what would he be doing in 2021 with all this chaos politically, uh, virusly, whatever it is, uh, relationally, <laughs> you know? That's something that I, is a big hope for me. I mean, I recorded all this before COVID and before the uh, election and all of that. What I hope for this album really is that it's sort of recentering for people because I think there's we're so in the weeds sometimes and you know Christians on Twitter are disagreeing with each other and there's you know a lot at stake for sure but I also feel like um, God's church just needs a recentering on on who who Jesus was and how he like you said how he would act and how he would be I know I do and so. I'm really excited for these songs to just hopefully make a little dent um, in that in that process. Well, Caroline, every Saturday we send out a prayer newsletter and we send it out to a bunch of folks that are praying for artists and musicians. How specifically can we be praying for you in the weeks and months that are coming up? Yeah, I really love that. So thank you for doing that. Um, I think I have a lot of shows this fall. It's a it's a super busy fall, and then um, some folks have advised me, and I I think it's time to take a little sabbatical where I'm just writing. Um, mm. So those are the two things that I would be praying for: is just a really busy fall, releasing the album, um, and doing a little tour, um, and then in January through March, I'm hoping to just pump the brakes and do a lot of writing um so i'm writing is very restful for me so i'm excited about that and then want to see what's next so i don't have any plans to you know go produce something right away or anything like that um so just yeah for the sabbatical and also for uh for this fall that the the shows would go well Thanks, Caroline, for spending your time with us today. And thank you, friends, for being part of this conversation. I like being reminded that we serve a big God that has so many characteristics that we really can't fit him into a box. He is a comforter. He is the redeemer. He is a loving father and a disciplinarian. I could probably spend an entire podcast talking about all the different facets of God. But probably my favorite description is when Jesus called himself, I am. That comes from John chapter 8, verse 58. I am is also the name that God gave to Moses in Exodus 3.14 when Moses was scared to go tell the Israelites to follow him out of Egypt. God, through the burning bush, said, I am who I am. Tell them, 
I am has sent you. I am is probably the best way I can figure out to describe all of the titles and roles and facets that God can be in my life. He just is. I think every one of us has a picture of who God is based on our experiences in our own life. And I'm super grateful that God is big enough, has enough facets to meet each of our needs in a personal and unique way. And to think that such a complex, multifaceted creator of the universe wants to be in a personal relationship with me and with you. I don't even have words to say how amazing that is. I hope you've experienced that personal relationship with God in your own life. He is big enough and capable to deal with any issues you might be facing. If you are struggling right now with something, I encourage you to just tell God about it. Let him know that you need help. Let God be the personal, multifaceted I am in your life today. Well, before I wrap up, I want to thank Caroline for her permission to share her songs, Turn the Tables and Who Is This Jesus? Both of those songs come from her album, A King and His Kindness, and that album is out now and available wherever you get your music. As always, thanks for joining me for this conversation today. I am grateful that we get to spend this time together each week hearing stories of God's amazing faithfulness. As a regular listener to this podcast, would you mind taking a few minutes and rating it on your favorite podcast app? Reviews and ratings really help spread the word so that other folks can hear about these great conversations. And if you have comments or questions for me, please feel free to drop me a message on any of the social media platforms. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon by searching for at CCMExchange. Or you can always drop me an email on the website christianmusicarchive.com. I'm really looking forward to our time together next week when I have another great conversation with one of the musicians you'll find on the pages of the Christian Music Archive. So until then, remember this. God loves you. In fact, he's crazy about you. <laughs>